I'm Glenn Robinson, and I've spent the last 30 years as a healthcare leader and overseeing large organizations. And before that, I was in the news business. And I'm Jacob Robinson, his son. I've spent the last five years building a business and learning lessons of leadership along the way. And this is our podcast, Chasing What Matters. On this podcast, we're going to interview leaders from all walks of life and hear their stories of successes and failures and what has made them become who they are today and how their faith and families played a role in their lives and leadership styles. During these interviews, we will be discussing things from business to politics, healthcare to nonprofit, and anything in between to find out how these leaders are chasing what matters in their work and personal life. So welcome to another episode of Chasing What Matters. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Chasing What Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Jacob Robinson. And I'm your other co-host, Glenn Robinson. Our guest today is Lyle Wells. Lyle is the president of Integris Leadership, a published author, sought-after speaker, and valued advisor to leaders in ministry, education, corporations, athletic teams, and not-for-profit organizations. In addition to leading for many years in higher education, Lyle's ministry experience includes serving as a senior pastor and a church planter, as well as serving as the executive senior pastor at one of the largest churches in the nation. Lyle's personal mission is to equip and encourage the leaders of leaders. He and his wife, Rhonda, have two grown children, Jordy and Michael. Lyle, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to be with you all today. And we all got the memo on the purple shirts. So everybody looks good. That's right. (laughs) Well, Lyle, thank you uh, for being here today. We're excited to have you on the show and learn more about Integris and uh, the vital role that you play in the lives of leaders. But first, let's just start at the beginning. Where Tell us where you grew up and what your family life was like. I have an interesting uh, story um, about my birth. When um, my mom was pregnant with me, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And um, he was uh, in Veterans Memorial Hospital in Chicago. My family and I lived in a very small town in Northwest Iowa. And my dad was told that he had just a few weeks to live. I was born a month premature. And when my father found out that he had a son, he rallied and lived six years that he had really no business living uh, just to be my dad. So um, I've got that that legacy of a, of a father that, that fought through cancer uh, to spend as much time as he could with me before his body finally wore out. Um, and the rest of my life, I was the only child of a, of a widowed mother. My mom and I eventually moved to Denver. Uh, she was a lifelong educator, and uh, that kind of paved my way into education, which led into ministry and, and doing what I do now. Lyle, take us back to some of those early years as a leader. Um, What did you learn from those roles? Well, I think that looking back, Glenn, I think the thing that was so important to me was um, that I was attracted to certain behaviors. Um, I I, I liked people that challenged me, whether they were teachers in the classroom or uh, a coach on a field or a youth pastor. Uh, I loved being challenged. Uh, I loved it when um, people would, would build healthy teams, uh, you know, when, when groups, when, when they would lead a group and we would be taught to respect each other and value teamwork and being selfless. And so uh, I think the biggest takeaway from my early experience with leaders was how their behaviors um, influenced me uh, towards my desired outcomes. 
you know, you've had a lot of different roles as leaders, and we'd love to hear some of those that led you ultimately to, to what you do now as your as the president of Integris and share with our audience a little bit about what you do now at Integris. Well, I, you know, I, I started my professional career as an educator. I was going to teach and coach. That's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, it, it started to um, impact me, though, to realize that my behaviors were having an impact on our students. And because of my faith, I knew I needed to do something to help impact kids spiritually, which is hard to do in a public school. And so I got involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I started uh, bivocationally being a youth pastor uh, in Denver. And so that all kind of led to a trajectory where I ultimately was a head college basketball coach, um, stayed uh, in bivocational ministry in a variety of roles. And then when I started with Integris, led me to plant a church just outside of Tampa, Florida. Um, our goal with Integris, uh, Glenn, you mentioned my personal mission is to equip and encourage kingdom-minded leaders for greater impact and to advance the gospel. That comes directly from Deuteronomy 328. And so that's the role of Integris. We, we want to give tools to leaders, but also encouragement to them um, as they advance the gospel and fulfill their calling in Jesus Christ. This time that we're going through, uh, the COVID pandemic has got to really be creating uh, an awful lot of challenges for our church leaders. As I talk to my pastor and other pastors that uh, we know and we love, uh, uh, church has been turned upside down in many ways, and that uh, for a while churches have been closed. Now they're slowly reopening. Um, thank goodness online giving has continued uh, uh, for many of our churches that uh, I mean, if th- I mean, what if this would have happened 10 years ago and yeah. uh, and, and folks were still giving uh, giving only through the offering plate? Uh, right. our, our churches and our church staffs would really be struggling from a budgetary standpoint as a leader. And as you go into these churches, what are you telling leaders uh, to give them encouragement to get them through uh, this particular episode of the pandemic and then setting the church right as they continue to lead their congregations into the coming years? Well, the first thing that we all know is God is not surprised, right? Um, It's not like he didn't see this coming. And so I think it's really important, Glenn, first off, to just check our perspective. Um, I'll I'll give you a, a great example. You know, the COVID crisis starts about the second week of March, and a month later is Easter Sunday. And there were so many pastors, I, you know, on any, at any one time I'm engaged with 200 to 250 pastors on a regular basis. And I mean, universally, they were all distraught, uh, upset. I, they love Easter preaching to a large audience, their, their sanctuaries being full. And um, they were so disappointed that the Easter message was going to be video in a room by themselves and then broadcast. But you know, you come away from that and start looking at some of the numbers. I mean, the astronomical number of views. Um, you know, I, I've got a, a, a young leader that I pour into. Uh, his church is 100 people. He had 1,100 views of Easter, right? Some of our larger wow. churches, they had hundreds of thousands of views of the Easter service. So, you know, I would argue that Easter Sunday, 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, might have been the single largest proclamation of the gospel. More people heard the gospel in any one day than at any other time in human history. 
So we, we, we have to go back and, and, and check our perspective. Uh, another thing that, that we teach is that if everything goes according to plan, you don't have a great story, right? I mean, I mean Easter every other year, um, it was, hey, people dressed up. They came. We saw a lot of people we don't usually see. Uh, we preached a good message. We sang some songs and we went home. This Easter, completely different. Uh, but, you know, uh, for us as a family, for us as a team, we say it's when everything doesn't go according to plan that great stories start. Um, and so I, I even look at that, Glenn, in the Gospels. You know, it was the storm, right? And the disciples in a boat when they woke Jesus up and he calmed the sea. It was, you know, Lazarus. I mean, that did not go according to plan. His sisters were upset with the Lord. But uh, now it's a great story. So, you know, part of its perspective, and I think the other thing is never, ever, ever take your eyes off your desired outcomes, which is to have people hear the good news of the gospel and help them take their first or their next step towards Christ. Yeah, what the world sees sometimes and what the Lord is able to do with that uh, continues to always amaze us. And uh, we never see it coming sometimes for just some of the great things that are out there. Well, let me ask you, you have a the real privilege of working with a lot of leaders, some in business, some in the corporate world, teachers in the classroom, administrators over school systems. How do they, uh, we've got so many of those type folks who listen to this podcast, how do they, and what encouragement would you give to them of taking those leadership skills, but also being able to uh, mix and mingle their faith in an appropriate way as they go about their job each and every day? Yeah, I think, I think it's a couple of really important things. I mean, the first thing is just to be an example. Um, you know, a lot of us, maybe the only Bible that some people read. And, you know, it, if you take a stand for your faith, people are going to be watching you. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we taught our children, uh, one of the things that my wife and I have continued to encourage ourselves, each other with, is that we always have obedience. No matter what happens, we always have obedience. That's always a choice. I, th I think the second thing is that, um, the, the the attributes of Christ are are so powerful. They're so attractive. You you look in the Gospels. Jesus stops. Jesus touches. Jesus listens. He gives people his full attention. Um, usually the most disenfranchised. Sometimes the people that deserve it the least. But to to model those behaviors. So walk out your faith with integrity. Model what Jesus did. Love people in an uncommon way. And then the last thing is, and and I mean, I know that that you and Jacob do this all the time. I just pray for opportunities for a door to be open, and uh, that that there can be an opportunity for a a meaningful conversation. And I know that some of our public educators, their you know their hands are tied at certain times, but um, you know the gospel is never bound. I mean, it's it's never bound by policy, rule, whatever. And there will be opportunities to to share. Um, both your testimony and the truth of the gospel. You know, Lyle, being a leader in anything uh, has its ups and downs, whether whether that's uh, your family, whether that's a small organization, a large organization, it, it doesn't matter. It's, that's part of it. Uh, that, that Frankly, that's life. Uh, but especially when you start something, whether it be a new ministry, whether it be a nonprofit, whether it be a business, whatever it may be, starting something tends to, to have more ups and downs just by the sheer nature of it. 
I know personally speaking, and, and then uh, talking to a lot of my friends out there that have started things, there is just this overwhelming negativity sometimes that hits you when you want to start something, whether ah, that's going to be too difficult to do. I'm not sure I'd pursue that. There's too many people in that space or that field. It's too crowded. What would encouragement would you give uh, leaders that that are starting something that are in the middle of it or, or some that are that just need to be pushed over the edge a little bit to, to go out and do something great? What encouragement would you give them as they are probably bombarded with negativity from time to time? Yeah, Jacob, that's such a great question. One of my the, my favorite sermon series that I ever preached, uh, I called it Crazy Eights. And, and I looked at eight people in Scripture who started something that, that when they did it, they were called crazy. And remember that the words you can't or you're crazy are, are at the beginning of every great success story. And so the, the first thing is to acknowledge, hey, we're, we're doing a hard thing. I mean, Nehemiah, to try to rebuild the wall, I mean, people were like, what is he doing? And then he met all this opposition. And um, but, you know, he, he wasn't detoured from from his purpose. So I would say two things. Expect it to be hard. Expect opposition and never, never, never take your focus off, you know, your calling or your desired outcome. And, uh, you know, Stephen Covey's great with begin with the end in mind. But just never forget that, um, you know, it's not going to be a straight path. It's not going to be an even road. Um, but nothing worthwhile really is. Marriage is hard, but marriage is worth it. Raising kids is hard, but I mean, it's worth it. Um, you know, doing something meaningful in the business world or planting a church or or even what you guys are doing. This is not easy. This is work. It's it's you know, it's time out of your day and out of your week, but it's worth it because you want to take a message to other leaders that equips and encourage them. So I would say perspective, uh, have the right expectations. Um, and then the last thing is put you put people around you that that aren't going to quit, that are full of grit, that that are, are, are going to be with you, um, that that get excited when the hard times come. You know, as, as kind of a follow up to that, uh, as we look at the world today, if you turn on the news for two minutes. Uh, it's, it's very easy to get depressed and sad and discouraged. And, and I understand why. And it doesn't matter what channel you're watching or what radio station you're listening to. It's, it's, um, it's just a lot of negative things going on. And, and I know, it, again, kind of going back to what I just asked, in my personal experience, I, I say, listen, I'm, I'm in my early 30s. Uh, we need to fight to make this world a better place. We, we need to um, push towards these things, whatever those things may be. Um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, uh, things at a policy level in politics about individuals with special needs and, and, um, mm -hmm. all that, that major umbrella, cause that, that affects my life. It affects my son and, and individuals like him. What would you say to individuals that are younger that are saying, Hey, listen, we've got a lot of work to do in the world, but it just seems so impossible to move the needle. Uh, my fear is that, that good people that should rise up and, and lead, will fall by the wayside because they will either hear voices or be so discouraged of saying, what's, what's the point? Why is it, it's, it's too impossible to make a change in the world. And so, uh, you know, kind of just what I asked, but also just a little bit of spin to it. What encouragement would you give those individuals that are saying, I've got to make this world a better place, even though people are telling me it's a waste of time. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I would say is 
maybe stop watching the news uh, because, you know, uh, uh, you know, we talk in terms of there, there are really three, three types of information. There's the news, which um, is often tainted. Um, There are facts. um, And then there's biblical truth. And, you know, it's, it's kind of which one of those three are you going to focus on? Um, you know, news, facts, or the truth. And, you know, um, we're very intentional with our team and, and in my family about focusing on the truth. Um, you know, we, but, but we're not immune to that. I mean, Jacob, my wife and I, a couple of Sundays ago, she had a mini meltdown. I mean, she's just like, I want to go back to church the way it was, and I'm tired of a mask, and what is going on? And, and you know, we just, we just pray together. And, and as we prayed, we came up with this little mantra. There are people that have more power than us, but God has more power than them. And so that's, that's where I'm going to trust. And the other thing that I would say to, to a young person, really to any person, is this. You know, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and, and at the feeding of the 5,000, and they said, hey, here's a problem, Jesus. We got no food and we're a long way away. And, you know, these people are hungry. And, you know, Jesus asked a simple question. He said, what do you have? He didn't say, what do they need? He didn't ask what the need was. He said, what do you have? And so, Jacob, to everybody, I mean, if they remember one thing from our time together today, it would be this. Bring what you have. Just bring what you have. And it may not feel like much, but if I bring what I have and you bring what you have and Glenn brings what he has, um, God multiplies and it's going to be more than enough. Uh, When COVID hit, I told our team, look, we do two things really well. We help people think strategically and we encourage people and we're going to give it away. We're going to do it for free. We're going to give as much of it away as we can. And we'll trust the Lord that there'll be basketfuls at the end. But it, it's all, I mean, those are the only two things we're good at. But we did it. We did it. We did it. People were blessed. I mean, uh, our company's still standing. So I would just say, bring what you have, whatever it is. Your heart um, for children with special needs. You may feel like one voice, but you'll ignite some other voices um, and other people will come alongside of you. What a great word of encouragement. Uh, thank you, Lyle. And I, I tell you, I also like one of the other points that you made about the news media and seeking out the truth and really praying for a spirit of discernment. Uh, mm-hmm. You use that word discerning, and, and I think that is right on top of it. You and I grew up in an <clears throat> era when we didn't have to worry about the news media telling us the whole story. That that was their job. Yeah. I was trained in college um, way too many years ago in journalism to tell the whole story, both sides. Uh, And it is hard to see that on the electronic news version that we get today. And uh, one, one channel skews things one way, one channel skews things another way. And I think as, as listeners, as readers, uh, those of us that are wanting to gain additional knowledge, I think, I think discernment, I think that was a, a, a wisely chosen word. 
that you passed along. Let me ask you, um, one of the things I've enjoyed in my career is really pouring into the next generation, raising up the next generation of leaders and trying to share with them the things that I was blessed to learn from people that were older than me. Uh, what would you say for someone that wants to develop this next generation? Uh, what advice would you give them to help them best equip this next generation of leaders? Well, I, I think the first thing that I would say to men like you and I, Glenn, is um, let's be quick to listen. Let's be humble. Um, I, I know when I was a younger leader, uh, you know, when you and I were Jacob's age, if, if an older man came up and wanted to tell me something, um, I don't know that I was always quick to receive that. Um, the men that had great impact on me uh, when I was a younger man were were men that that listened, that seemed genuinely concerned about my success, that wanted to that wanted to hear you know my story and my dreams, and um, you know so uh, I have a picture uh, in my other office of uh, Launchpad 39A uh, at uh, Cape Kennedy um, in Florida, and you know I think it's interesting, you know uh, the space program. I'm a former science teacher. Um, you know, we started with Gemini and Saturn rockets, and those were one and done, right? I mean, it had one moment of glory, and then it was done. And then we we built um, the space shuttle. And, you know, then they could take multiple missions into space. But, I mean, even the most prolific space shuttle only went to space um, short of 40 times. But launch pad 39 A and B... Um, they have launched every single mission of NASA, along with thousands of other satellites. And so for me, it's the perspective of I, I want to be a launching pad. Mm -hmm. I want to know where you want to go. If I can give you insight, if I can be humble enough to listen and share some insight and then be transparent. Uh, one of the one of the books that we're working on right now, uh, its working title is Stupid Things That Smart People Say. And one of those, I know, who doesn't buy that book, right? Uh, and one of the chapters is Experience is the Best Teacher. And um, uh, I, I just think that's a stupid thing to say. I think experience is a great teacher, but as you know, it's an expensive teacher. Every time I've had to learn through experience, it's cost me time and money and pain and relationships and credibility or whatever. And so, you know, the best teacher is somebody else's experience. And uh, but we've got to build relationships before people are open to that and and be humble and transparent about our own mistakes um, to help other people avoid making them. You know, Lau, you and I have talked about this before, but as, as a young leader, uh, and I know a lot of our audience falls in that, that category, people are saying, you need to find yourself a mentor. You need to have yourself mentors and surround yourself with people uh, that, can, that can speak to, to your life or your work. And, and you know, I, I was sharing with you that I struggle with this balance of uh, finding really godly individuals and, and then really successful uh, by the world standards individuals. And both of those are, are good things, but merging that together. But you took a different spin on it, which I, I really just profound to me of, hey, you can you can have both. And, and you broke it down into something what you call the five T's, I believe. And so I'd love for you to share with our audience what you share with me that kind of reshaped my thinking on mentors and people that can uh, speak into your life. 
Well, you know, you were you were looking for a unicorn, right, Jacob? I mean, you wanted a godly man that had no skeletons in the closet, who was great at business, great at marriage, great at parenting, probably set records on Peloton every time right. on the bike. And, and, if uh, and if they're listening to this episode, you can contact us uh, through the Instagram uh, direct messages. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, those people are hard to come by. I mean, and and you had a high bar in your father, but you know, what, what I learned was, um, that, you know, I, I can certainly look at somebody and, and take something from them, but it doesn't mean that, that they present the whole package. And so my five T's that I look for in mentors to this day of my life, the first is truth tellers. Uh, I invite people into my life, um, who I trust, who are going to say things to me that I may not want to hear and ask me questions that I may not really feel comfortable answering. But I, I want and need truth tellers in my life. The second thing I need is teachers. Um, so I'll be honest, a couple of my teachers are businessmen and women. Um, they don't walk with the Lord. They're phenomenal business people. They're incredible communicators. Uh, so I have a lot to learn from them. And I want to stay in relationship with them so I can be a light into their life as well. The third is trustees. Um, People who I can dream with, people I can verbally process with, um, they're, they're trusted advisors that I can say, hey, I've got a crazy idea. What do you think? Um, I've had several of those conversations over the last couple of days. Um, the fourth are what I call Timothys. So um, that's you, Jacob. Who's who's the next young guy that I can develop? Who are, you know, whether it's it's young men at my church, whether it's young men in our business, whether it's young coaches, now that I'm no longer coaching, um, young entrepreneurs. Uh, so who are the Timothys in my life? Who am I replicating into? And the last one are tank fillers. I think we all need encouragers. We need people. Um, I call them hype men. I got a couple of guys in my life who just, you know, um, when I talk to them, I feel like I, I mean, the theme from Rocky starts playing in my head when I visit with them and I'm ready to take the hill. I mean, I don't care if it's a butter knife, I'll go to war when those guys are speaking into my life. So those are the five T's that I'd encourage every leader to have. Lyle, what would you say to someone who is starting out a new job, <clears throat> whether maybe they're a, a new young pastor, maybe they are, uh, a new position in the business world or in education. And we sometimes mistakenly think that we begin with a hundred percent of trust. And unless we slip, we're going to continue to have a hundred percent of trust uh, by our new friends, our new bosses, our new board, our new uh, uh, colleagues, whatever the case may be. And, and we know that's not the truth that we really need to begin to come in and layer in that trust and that credibility. What advice would you give someone starting out a new position? How do they build that influence and credibility on a solid platform? That's a great question. I, I would say for credibility, um, three important things. One is, is just deliver. Um, you know, you're tasked with a job and, and whatever that job is, um, let's deliver at a high level. Um, let's meet or, or exceed expectations very early in your tenure. Uh, if you're a young pastor, prepare your messages like it's the only message you're ever going to preach. 
and practice it and rehearse it so that that you deliver on that expectation. I think the second thing, and uh, this is really important, is to live your priorities. Whatever the stated priorities that you say, live them. Uh, People are, are watching you. And I think it's critical that we live our priorities. Um, and, you know, the, from the way you spend your time to the way you spend your money to the way you treat people, I think that's really, really important. And then I think the third thing for credibility, Glenn, would be um, be selfless. Um, you know, uh, the goal of any leader is the success of others. And so start to lean in and find out how you can help other people be successful. Um, I think selfishness is the greatest enemy to credibility and influence. When people sense that you're selfish, you're going to lose both. From an influence standpoint, I'd say, listen, uh, give people your full attention. I think the most valued commodity we give to another human being is our full attention. Um, And I think the other thing is just to care. Um, You know, uh, Uh, Jacob talked about it a while ago. Leading is hard. Um, You know, in this last six months or so, it's gotten harder. And we don't know what the next six months look like. But make sure that you're genuinely caring for other people. Know their kids. Know their kids' names. Surprise them occasionally, you know, with a gift or, you know, donuts in the break room, whatever. Let people know that they matter. One kind of a follow-up question, Lyle, what happens as a leader? I go in with the best intentions and then I drop the ball. Mm -hmm. I make a mistake. Um, I thought we were going to be going left and I told everybody we were going left. And next thing you know, I'm standing up in front of the colleagues and saying, folks, we're going right. Um, uh, And and, and we made a mistake or we gave wrong instructions or we had wrong uh, outcomes that you know, we just didn't mean, but how do we, how do we recover from those and keep that credibility intact? Well, I think, I think the simple thing is you're, you're candid, you know, and you admit, Hey, I blew it. Uh, You know, um, I didn't read this correctly. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that people will have grace for strategic blunders Glenn, I mean, especially when you're new in a role or, you know, I've been preaching this to my leaders for the last six months. Hey, look, there's no there's no rule book for this. There's no uh, policy manual for covid. Um, We're going to we're going to make some some decisions that aren't great. Um, But I think people have grace for that as long as you don't fail them relationally. Um, And that's why it's so critical that when we come into an organization, that influence of listen, care, um, make sure people know that that your goal is their success. I mean, as a college coach, there were a lot of times I said, we're going to do this, you know, and two minutes later, I'm calling a timeout because the other team just scored eight or 10 in a row. And I got to look at my guys and go, well, that's the worst coaching decision that's going to take place in the country tonight. Um, and can you all pick me up? Can you help me out? Right. You know, Hey, um, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize they could shoot it like that. So now we got to go back to this. And, um, you know, my, even my own children, um, you know, at times we've laughed and I've said, you know, not my best parenting moment and they'll smile and go, but not your worst dad. Um, you know, they'll have grace for a bad moment or a bad decision, as long as the trust and the relational equity 
remains solid. I know your group has done a lot of work surveying and, and understanding and studying the hundreds of leaders that y'all have had the opportunity to work with. Walk our listeners through some of the, the common denominators that you have found in some of those top performing leaders that your group works with. It's, uh, that's mo- probably my favorite question. So thank you for uh, lobbing one in there for me, Jacob. Um, the first one is relentless growth. Every great leader secular, spiritual, family, every great leader that I've ever had the privilege of serving, they were committed to growth um, continually. Um, I I remember uh, uh, Billy Donovan, after he'd won two national championships at Florida, called us up and said, hey, I hear you've got a tool that can help make me better. And I thought, wow, you know, um, two national championships, and this guy is is reading and asking to get better. So the first is relentless growth. I think the second thing is what we would call ridiculous routines. Really high-level leaders, um, they demonstrate high-level behaviors on a regular basis. Um, they do the right things at a high level over and over and over and over again. Um, one of the things that we teach is have a daily five. You know, what are, what are the five most essential behaviors for you as a leader? And then make sure you do them every day. So for example, my daily five are I abide. So I'm going to be in prayer, worship, and the study of scriptures every day. Number two is I love. So I'm going to communicate my love for my family, for my friends, for my team. I'm going to communicate that somehow, some way, every day. Um, the third thing, uh, Jacob, we talked about this before we we started the session, is I'm going to sweat. Uh, um, I want to do this for a very long time. So I'm going to be a steward of not just my time and my talent and my treasure, but I got to be a steward of this vessel that God gave me. So I sweat every single day. Number four is I teach Um, So whether I write something, I get on a podcast, I coach somebody, I'm going to teach every day because I believe that's what God put me on earth to do. And the last thing is I'm going to advance. I'm going to try to take something to the next level, Uh, get some somebody, some something on our team, some process, something just a little bit better. So relentless growth, ridiculous routines. And then the last one, and Glenn, we've talked about this a lot already, is what I call resilient relationships. I want to build relationships that last, that can that can endure a bad day, that can endure maybe a bad season, that can endure a loss in the business. Um, I, I want to, you know, I, I want resilient relationships because I learned this as a coach. No matter how good you are, um, you'll hit a stretch during the season where you're not playing great. And, you know, does that does that tank your team or does that fortify your team? And so I I want relationships that get stronger um, when the pressure gets higher. Well, it didn't go unnoticed that as a teacher, you still go back to the three R's, relentless (laughs) growth, ridiculous routines and resilient relationships. Uh, Great advice, common denominators for great leaders. Thanks for sharing all that y'all are learning through your research. Oh, my pleasure. As, as we wrap up, before we get to the rapid fire questions, you know, I I've had the 
great opportunity of sitting through one of Integris's uh, day sessions where we've really got to understand ourselves and what that means for our organization. And I can tell you, uh, whether it be through things at college or, or other organizations, I feel like I've taken every leadership profile under the sun. Uh, and so for those of you that are listening out there, uh, to be honest with you uh, and to be honest with you, Lyle, taking another one, I was like, my my goodness, I'm, I'm not going to learn anything new here. Uh, and I can uh, stand corrected that I, I learned a ton that day. And so I know for me and, and, and my team, I mean, I, I walked out of that and, and implemented things almost immediately with our team uh, that I would like to believe mm-hmm. ha, has made us better. Uh, they, they may differ. But uh, as our listeners are, are sitting here and going, man, I really like what this guy has to say. How can they get plugged in with Integris? What organizations do you work with? What individuals do you work with uh, that, that our listeners could say, hey, I want to reach out to this guy and, and get to understand their organization better because I need to be better. Well, we've had the privilege of working with, you know, everything from NFL quarterbacks and major league baseball teams, um, some high level college athletic groups, uh, some of the you know largest churches and church networks from Hillsong to Bethel to Lakewood, um, some of the nonprofits, Compassion, um, uh, Habitat, you know, and um and then some great, great private Christian schools, public schools. So um, if they want to learn more, just go to Integris.org. Um, you can find a lot on our website. Uh, my, uh, I mean, they can reach out to me. Um, my Instagram is simply lead with Lyle. Uh, I try to post a couple of nuggets a week. I'm not, I'm not rampant, but you know, little little in notes of encouragement or things that I learned from other leaders that I think would would help us all. I call them tweets or tattoos. Um, they're so good you got to tweet them out, maybe get the tattoo. but um, you know uh, you know our our heart is this you know one of our mantras is to cross the road and and it goes back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. So any leader, Jacob, that reaches out to us, our goal is we'll serve them in some way. You know, regardless of their budget, regardless of their influence, um, you know, because I think, uh, you know, a, a church planning pastor who's got 30 people meeting in his basement has as much potential for kingdom impact um, as, you know, a mega church or a, a, a huge nonprofit. I mean, you know, Hudson Taylor went to China with a handful of other people. And I just read over the weekend that 1.5 billion salvations can be traced back to their the origins of their work. So, you know, every leader, uh, I, we're all precious to the Lord, and every leader is doing a significant work. So they just got to reach out. And uh, my email is lyle at integris.org. We'd love to have a conversation. Our guest today, Lyle Wells, the president of Integris Leadership. And Lyle, before we let you go, one of the things that we love to do are rapid fire questions so that we get to know our guests just a little bit better. Jacob? All right. First question, best and worst advice you have ever been given? Uh, Best advice, stop being surprised. Um, There's going to be challenges. Quit acting like you're the only person that it's ever happened to. Um, Worst advice, um, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. That's a stupid thing that smart people say. Who are the most influential people in your life? Uh, Obviously, my wife. um, uh, She's my best friend. She's all five T's in my life. Uh, Our team, 
Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, the other men and women that have fulfilled the five T's in my life. Um, uh, Susan Flippin is a spiritual giant in my life. She's the most compassionate, selfless person I've ever met. And uh, so, I mean, if I had to pick one person right now that challenges me every time I'm with her, I want to get better. What big events have taken place in your life over the past year? Uh, well, fun one is uh, we wrote our first book. Uh, I started the year on a 21 day fast and felt like the Lord just gave something to me. Uh, I sat in my daughter's apartment for two days in Houston and vomited 16,000 words on a page. And uh, it's now it's going to be called the five day leader. Uh, I've Meredith King, our executive direct director at Integris has come alongside and co-authored it with me and it's going to be released in January. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing right now. I mean, that's been so much fun because that's been a dream of mine and, and now it's actually coming to fruition. Wow. Looking back over your life, think of a time when you took a risk and tell us how did that work out? <laughs> well, I think you should take a lot of risks. Um, you know, as a pastor, I've spent uh, a lot of time with people at the end of their life. And um, uh, I've, I've always noticed that at the end of a person's life, they regret two things. They regret not loving the people closest to them better, and they regret the chances they didn't take. So I've, I've always kind of been a take a chance guy. I was a 23 year old young assistant coach at a big high school winning state championships in Denver. And I went to a little bitty school outside of Boulder in the mountains, 23 year old head coach. Like I didn't even know how to balance my checkbook. And all of a sudden I was in charge of a whole program and coaching kids. And, um, but, um, the reason I, I did it, Glenn, is I heard a coach at a coach's clinic said, you know, I believe in the sled dog theory. And if you're not the lead dog, then the scenery doesn't change very much. And uh, that was my first big risk. It, it turned out to be, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of what not to do. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, the parents, the staff had a lot of grace for me, but it kind of started uh, early on in my professional life. Hey, if there's something new that that is out there and what you're leaving is something that you could come back to, why wouldn't you do that? And so I think that's led me to take a college job, plant a church, you know, start Integris. So uh, they've all worked out. Um, I mean, they haven't all been flawless success stories, but they've been a lot of fun. That's great. All right. Best or most meaningful place you have ever visited? Well, I've been a lot of places. I've been really, really, really blessed uh, all over the world. Uh, what I tell people, only two places have ever exceeded expectations. Um, when I toured Israel, um, uh, the Holy Land, I mean, it's it just parts of that tour just leave you speechless. Um, and the other one uh, is Augusta. I got the opportunity to go to the Masters a few years ago and how that place is unspoiled they don't apologize for their traditions or who they are. The respect for the game and for the players and for even the fans. I mean, I, I left there just my life was changed after being there and seeing the way that they treat people. 
Well, I'm betting 500. Uh, I've, been, <laughs> <laughs> I've been blessed. Uh, Jacob's older brother uh, invited me to go to the Masters with him two years ago. And uh, uh, what a memorable experience that was. Uh, and then this is our 40th anniversary for me and Rhonda. And we were planning and already had booked a trip to Israel in May of this year. So um, it didn't, it didn't happen, but, uh, we hope to catch up with you. And I hope to bat a thousand with two of your favorite places. <laughs> well, let me ask you best advice you ever got from your mom. Um, you know, I think it's the way she lived her grit. You know, I mean, I mean, I think I got that from both of my parents. I mean, obviously my dad battling cancer, but you know, the, the, the best thing my mom ever did for me is she never let the fact that my father died and I was a single parent kid living in a trailer park. We didn't have a lot of money. She never let that be an excuse. Um, a, a quick mom story. When we moved to Denver, we lived in a trailer park. My mom didn't have a job for three years. Um, but the new, the bullies, I was the new kid in middle school. The bullies chased me home every day. And I would sit in the front seat of the bus and the bus doors would open and I'd sprint home and she was home every day because she wasn't working and she figured it out pretty quick what was going on. And so, uh, Glenn, one day my mom locked the door. And so I'm running from the bullies. I hit the step, grab the door and it's locked because she was going to make me face my fear. And so I turned around and and, you know, it felt like 10 minutes. I'm sure the fight lasted 25 seconds. But two bullies and I, you know, I mean, 12 years old, throwing punches, kicking, screaming. And then she walked out and broke it up and they never chased me home again. So my mom was not afraid of, of holding me to a high standard. She was never going to let uh, and let the fact that I had different circumstances be an excuse. Great story. <laughs> What is what is the best and worst job you have ever had? Uh, best job is now. Uh, you know, um, Jacob, everybody's got a purpose statement. You know, uh, you mentioned it in my bio uh, to equip and encourage. But I think you also need a process statement. How do you want to live your purpose? And so my process statement is I want to do hard things with people I really care about and have fun doing it. And uh, that's my team and the work that we're doing at Integris right now. Worst job, um, I roofed houses for one day. Um, and uh, no, that is not for me. So I don't like heights. I don't like steep. Um, those shingles weigh a lot. I'm a skinny guy. I don't have shoulders. Carrying them up a ladder was hard. So that didn't last long. I've often said, I think being a roofer in the summer and a plumber during the winter crawling underneath houses with broken pipes and, you know, puddled water underneath the home and uh, having to crawl under there and it's 28 degrees outside. Oh. I, I'm like, thank the Lord uh, for those wonderful people in our communities that serve us in so many incredible ways. Hey, how about, uh, what are you reading right now, Lyle? You know, I, I, I actually brought it. it. It's called, What If It's True?, uh, I, I don't I, I don't hear a lot of buzz about this, but it's subtitled A Storyteller's Journey with Jesus. And this is a fiction writer who's a strong believer, but he he takes biblical stories. And because he's such a good fiction writer, he he creates this beautiful narrative. I mean, this it's so well written 
uh, around different encounters that people had with Jesus. And um, it, uh, it it's easily not just one of the best books I've read in a very long time. It might be the best written book I've ever read. Wow. Wow. Well, that, that's going to make our next question really easy then. Uh, in addition to the Bible, what is the best book you have ever read? Um, I, I would say, uh, along with this one, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish um, taught me to be a systems thinker, which I wasn't before. I mean, it, his first book was called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, and then it, it evolved into Scaling Up. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris about generosity and biblical giving. Um, and then I think the, you know, along with this one, Unbroken by Laura Hildebrand was another one of the, just the very best written books. I mean, it's a phenomenal story, uh, Louis Zamperini, but how well she wrote, you know, you would read paragraphs and just go back and want to read them again because of the way she crafted the words. And for our listeners that have not read Unbroken, uh, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, Lyle is not our first guest to recommend that as one of their <laughs> favorite books. Um, I would say read it and be prepared for at least a couple of magnificent surprises at the end. As well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Lyle, what's next for you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, this next season of my life uh, for, for really two things. Number one, uh, um, I, I've really enjoyed this idea of creating content that isn't delivered just in person over a coaching call or in the front of the room. So writing, developing courses, um, you know, uh, the pandemic has forced us to do some things digitally, um, and I'm really enjoying that. So hopefully I can continue to be a con- content creator. And then um, uh, I asked, uh, and this would be a prayer that I'd challenge Uh, your listeners with. Um, Several months ago, I asked the Lord to bring 10 new relationships into my life that would challenge me and stretch me. Uh, You know, in scripture, the number 10 is always a test, right? 10 plagues, 10 commandments, 10 virgins, 10 lepers, whatever. And I just said, Lord, I, I, you know, I, I, I just want 10 men to test me and challenge me. And, um, uh, he's been faithful in that. And so some of them are younger men that I'm getting to mentor and pour into. Some of them are our peers or older men that are, that see the world differently than I do. And we've had some great dialogue and, uh, I mean, I'm learning and growing. I feel like I never have before. Wow. Well, Lyle, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, man, we've had a great time discussing Integris and all the great work that you do there, but all the, just the great wisdom you have. So thanks so much for being here. Uh, What a joy. And fellas, thank you for for the work that you're doing. You're being multipliers uh, through this work and biblical math is always multiplication. So uh, my hat's off to you guys for making the time and the effort to do this because um, your reach, uh, you'll never completely understand it this side of eternity, but uh, I'm thrilled that you're making these efforts right now. Wow. Well, thank you. Well, to our listeners, make sure you check out the Integris website. You can fo- find all of their info in our show notes. Uh, you can find Lyle's Instagram handle there as well. Uh, please take a moment to, to learn more about this great organization. Lyle, thank you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Hey, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media platforms such as Instagram. And also check out our website, cwmpodcast.com. Until next time, keep chasing what matters. Oh,